Hello and welcome to another episode of Colour My Soul. I'm your host Rachel Chipotle of Inner Perceptions. I love supporting people and being brave and begin authentic living. And I'm an NLP practitioner and timeline therapist. And I use other highly effective modalities to help people from past experiences and current anxieties so they can move away from just surviving to simply living a life full of intention, purpose and authenticity. And that's why I also have a podcast where I talk to really beautiful, inspired people who have been on journeys where they have turned their darkness into light. Um, And this is why we've got Sophia Bruce on this episode from Muscle Sense. She's a structural integrator and massage therapist. And she's going to be talking to the topic of PTSD being a gateway to her deeper self-awareness. So I really hope that you guys can take what you need to from this. I want you to know that this episode could be triggering to some and that there's so much support out there for you. I hope this episode gives you deeper understanding, more awareness and feelings of knowing that you're absolutely not alone. And if you are seeking support, there is 1-800-RESPECT and Beyond Blue. And I highly recommend that you reach out to someone. For now, sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. Sophia Bruce, it's amazing to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's been a long time coming, but we're here. We're here. Yeah. Finally arrived. We arrived. <laughs> Feels good. Um, now, for all the listeners... Um, we're going to be discussing PTSD being a gateway to your deeper self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And um, what I like to do is really um, start off uh, conversations, sort of giving, giving people a picture of where you came from, your earlier life, and then sort of, you know, in the middle and then where you are now. Um, and, yeah, just talk about, you know, what you've learned along the journey um, and then whoever's listening can sort of take away what they need to. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So it would be really interesting to start off with um, maybe a little bit about, you know, where you grew up and what your family life was like and your relationships with your family. Because um, it's always good to get a really good start of like people's childhood and where, you know, the patterns and where the um belief systems and all that sort of started from so yeah if you could learn a little bit about that yeah um so i was born in wollongong in new south wales and i have an older brother and mum and dad uh, still together um and growing up i think mum was very busy Mm -hmm. um and took on a lot of the different roles you know being a mother and cooking and cleaning and working and um so very much go 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 very busy woman and dad you know working lots to support so um, very much wanting to be present but I felt perhaps not as present as I needed yeah Um, and I found I was very much tomboy you know very much attracted to boys because they were much easier than than girls to get on with Mm -hmm. Uh, so I found myself friends with a lot of boys played a lot of sports um, and I was a very masculine girl, you know, very much just enjoyed that a lot more. Yeah. So family life was um, somewhat uh, 
tricky as I started to get a little bit older into my teenage years and a little bit rebellious and uh, very, very disconnected from, from my body. But um, as I grew up, we moved a lot as well, so I didn't really have a home, you know, okay. very much. We moved quite a lot as a family, time and time again. We moved a lot from my dad's work. Like around Australia or Yeah, around, well, uh, no, just nas- um, just across Australia. So yeah. we moved from New South Wales, then we moved to South Australia, mm-hmm. then we moved back to New South Wales, and then we moved back to South Australia. So, And then within that, we were moving around the States. So, um, yeah, it was very much didn't have a strong centre and had didn't have a strong sense of, like, friendship groups and stuff mm. like that. So. Well, constantly moving, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would be hard as a kid, like, yeah. just constantly sort of, you know, making a friend and then having to leave and then, I mean, there'd be adventure in that too, but also, like you said, like this stableness yeah. that you probably wanted to feel a bit more. Yeah. 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 So during that time, like with your family dynamic, what role do you feel that you played? Um, for me, very much taking responsibility for a lot of, uh, well, I felt like I was taking responsibility for a lot of um, emotions, not just my family, but kids as well, you know, my friends. Yeah. Uh, I would always be the one to lean on. I'd be always the one that would, I remember one of my girlfriends, she fell over and she cut her knee open at school and I was the one there holding her for like an hour, mm. you know, and I got an award for that. <laughs> but that was just what I did. I yeah, responsibility. so you felt that you always yeah. had to be the responsible one. Yeah, like I felt like because we moved around so much, I felt like I had to be, mm. you know, the grounding one, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. And that comes with expectation on yourself as well, hey? Yeah. 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 Because sometimes we think that that's what people want of us to. That's right. But it can, yeah, then we realise later, oh, actually, I think I put that on myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, it makes sense, though, because then later on you became a nurse, I didn't did. you? Yes. Yeah. I did. Yep. Um, what was that like? Like, what even got you into that initially? Uh, well, I really wanted to be a vet because I loved animals. And mm-hmm. um, then I decided that that was too hard to do when we were in South Australia. I had to travel lots and then I would have had to go into state. And So I decided that nursing was easier. My dad's a nurse. My mum was a nurse. Um, mm. So it was just kind of the path. And I felt like, well, I could earn some money. And it was just, I just did it. Yeah. And I ended up enjoying it a little bit more than I thought I would. Yeah, I almost dropped out, but I, I completed it and, um, yeah, just really, really kind of loved it for a long time. Yeah. Pretty much until I found massage. Um, but yeah. 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 So how long were you nursing for? Uh, eight years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's an amazing, like, career, like, to make that decision to go, actually, I'm going to do something new. Yeah. Most people stay in things for much longer. Like. Yeah even to the point where they don't want to do it anymore yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just keep going. So it's great that you made that decision yeah. and like went to something else. And as we'll talk a bit later on, like it's now become one of your biggest like purposes here. Yeah. Um, so we'll go into a little bit more now about, you know, what you experienced a little bit later in life where you had an experience with an ex-partner and um, there was an assault involved which is what was the catalyst, I guess, for, you know, this PTSD and what we're talking about today. Um, it may be a little bit hard for you to remember now, but do you remember what your model of the world was before 
PTSD and did you feel safe? Uh, I think I felt physically, well, my environment felt somewhat safe, mm-hmm. yeah, but within my own body, no. I would mm. say there was strong elements of not feeling safe in my body. Yeah. Um, actually, going back into when I was about 13, I remember saying to my dad that I, I went through a very emotional time when I was 13, and I remember saying to my dad, um, this pain is not my own. Mm. And there was some form of, I felt, generational pain that I was, the, like, it was within me and it wasn't my own pain. Yeah. Like, I remember um, that being a strong theme throughout from about 13 onwards. Mm. So feeling dis- totally disconnected. I don't actually remember a lot of my childhood because I felt like I was always in my mind, processing mm-hmm. mind, and I would uh, put my little Walkman on my headphones in and just be... You know, I totally relate to you there. Yeah, I was, yeah. Often, often thought world, you yeah. know, and I'd I'd fantasize and dream about things, and then I would get lost in deep dark thought. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, just what I did, I guess, to cope or maybe process whatever I needed to process. Yeah. But um, pre pre the PTSD, no, I don't think I felt safe within myself. Mm. And and I wonder, like. Um, you know, like you said, your environment was safe, mm. but then you didn't feel safe in your body. Um, I think we could talk a bit more into that later because, you know, already starting off not being safe in your body mm. is really something that most people don't talk about. They People usually look around in yeah. their environment. You know, you're, you don't make me feel safe or that makes me feel safe and it's a very external mm. sort of thing. Mm. Um, and obviously when something like PTSD, like after, you know, experiencing that and then going through life, it's like everything externally isn't safe. Mm. But for you to say that actually in your body prior to that, you didn't, um, is something I think would be very important for listeners to listen to. Um did you did you find it hard to trust people in general growing up? Um, yes, in terms of family, total trust. Yeah, definitely a trust there. But mm-hmm. in terms of like new friends or women, yeah. uh, girls especially, found it very difficult to trust. Why do you think that was? Uh, I was I was bullied from about thirteen, fourteen, okay, by a couple of girls from yeah. school, and um, just from there, just just disconnect with girls for, mm. for whatever reason, just didn't really get on there. Um, so, yeah. yeah, in terms of trust, didn't really have a strong trust for for girls. Um, yeah. Like and, an emotional sort of, like, betrayal, like the trust emotionally yeah, yeah, with was, women? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Like, found it very difficult to maintain relationships yeah. just, just out of... Yeah, just not trusting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that would have been, yeah, that's what you're saying is probably, but with family and everything, you felt like you could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah because um, a lot with what we've, um, just for the listeners listening, we, you and I have done a couple of courses together mm-hmm. um, and we've gone into the topics of, you know, masculine and feminine energies and just, you know, mentioning about the trust thing just now, and how, like, in your body you didn't feel, feel safe. Mm-hmm. And then to have the feminine part of you, you know, to sort of, like, disown that part. Mm. Um, which is a real part of us nurturing ourselves and being there for ourselves as well. Yeah. 
and that whole self-abandonment thing and, you know, so it all sort of intertwines. But as we talk a bit further, I'm sure you'll get a bit further into that. Um, now, we don't have to go into detail. Um, it's up to you and how much you want to, you know, share. Um, and as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, um, if there is anything that is triggering for people, um, you do have the option to, I'll put a link in this episode for Beyond Blue. Um, and I encourage anyone to reach out that does need support. So, um, yeah, if you want to go into detail, sure. But if not, it's okay as well. But what did it feel like to be in your body and to be in the world after, after the assault? The assault, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think for me, PTSD wasn't diagnosed until about 18 months after the event had happened. Mm -hmm. And that event happened, there was one particular event that happened, but over 18 months I was with my ex-partner and there was a lot of altercations that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one particular one was uh, quite extreme in the fact that I was having recurring nightmares about it. Mm. So... In terms of being in my body, I wasn't in my body. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. this total disconnect, and for about two years, I would uh, self-medicate with alcohol, mm-hmm. um, and I would want to just sleep because I wasn't sleeping. I was having nightmares, you know, yeah. and I felt um, probably for a couple of years I totally lost myself. So I, you know, I can't really recollect a lot of those two years. And then when I was diagnosed with PTSD, it was quite a shock to me. I was like, oh, what is PTSD? Mm. Like I really, obviously I'd been nursing, but mm. and I had some form of idea what it was, but then all the symptoms, I started to read all the symptoms and I was like, oh wow, mm. that's me, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, it was difficult to go to work as well, you know, mm. just being so tired all the time and um, just having, Little things at work, you know, if, if someone dropped something, being hypervigilant mm. and uh, having panic attacks often, yeah. you know. And, you know, my mum and dad had, had moved to Victoria in that, that stage, so they they were far away and I could call them if I wanted to, but it wasn't enough. Um, so, and, and I didn't tell anyone for a mm. long time. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of shame around what I'd experienced. I was and just also, about to say, yeah. Yeah, it was almost like... I didn't have it bad enough, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't have children with him. Um, and, look, the assault was not – it didn't last for a long time. It was one event that happened over, you know, a span of a few hours. Um, but it – I felt like it wasn't as bad as some women have experienced. Um, this is this is something that I want to address as well. Um, when someone goes through some sort of trauma – um, and every human on this planet has had some level of it on some, in some degree. Yeah. We tend to like numb ours down, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. But everyone's trauma has the same emotional, like usually the same shame, guilt, the same emotions that are linked to it. Mm-hmm. But also it's all valid. Yeah. And for, for me to, or for you to think, oh, you know, that's not important, um, that's what we do to sort of like not acknowledge that actually what happened really, really hurt us and yeah. that we were really traumatised by it. Mm. 
and um, I don't want to make trauma like that. That word trauma can be quite, you know, it was traumatic. Mm. But you can have different degrees of trauma, mm. but how valid they all are for yeah. each person is totally, like it's totally valid yeah. for every person. Um, and I just like, the only reason why I'm sort of wanting to talk into this part is because I remember when I went through something um, as well, um, which caused a lot of, like that body response that every time I something triggered me or like I had that thing, it would take me right back there and the body remembers and it reacts as if it's happening right at that time and that's the hard thing about people with PTSD is they go back to this moment that it happened as if it's happening right then and there because the body remembers. Yeah. Um, but then they're not sharing of that because oh, who am I to share this because I should have known better, shouldn't have put myself in that situation, I'm such an idiot. Like, you know, like I remember all those thoughts went through my mind um, about, you know, certain things and I thought, and then when I actually opened up and spoke about it, it was like a, it was like a full, like, release. And so I'd love for you to talk into that a little bit more about the part of not sharing it. Yeah. and how important it was for you to then share it. Share it yeah. Well, yeah. I think, um, so the assault that happened that my parents actually picked me up the day after, mm. so there was a shared collective energy there, um, and they saw me the day after, I was quite shaken up, but after that I went back to him. Mm. So on top of the fact that I didn't really want to talk about it with my parents they also really just expected me not to go back for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was no doubt in my mind the day after that I was never going to see him again. Mm. <laughs> but there was um, a lot of manipulation. There was a lot of – there was a bit of money involved, yeah. you know. Um, and he made contact. And we eventually went back with each other, you mm. know. And, and there was a point where my parents said, we love you, but we are not going to accept him. So you need to choose whether you are going to be with him yeah. or, you know, he's not welcome in this house, mm. which, you know, they needed to do. But they knew if they sort of let me go and they denied me, then I probably wouldn't come back. Yeah. So they still kept that door open and they did the best they could. Um, but I still went back, mm. you know. And within that, there was more violence. Yeah. Um, there was more manipulation. And the physical violence wasn't, for me, looking back on it, I actually don't count that as the real horrific stuff. The mm. horrific stuff was me. With me was the gaslighting, the manipulation, the mm. emotional abuse, mm. um, and the complete denial of who I was. You know, there was there was this strong element of control, and and allowing someone to control you again is shameful in itself. Mm. And me being quite a strong woman, yeah, I shamed myself because I went back there. Mm. You know. And I found myself back there with him. So within that event, that singular event that happened that kind of was the catalyst of it all, there was another six months of Mm. being with him that kept me in that PTSD cycle, which I reckon started, you know, it started in my body then. Mm. And I remember having panic attacks at his house and he had no idea what to do with them. Mm. You know, we both had no idea what it was, you know. But, of course, there was something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah, and that was another way to manipulate me back in. Mm. So um, I couldn't share my story for six months, 
And then on top of that, there was this whole uh, amnesia that came mm. with, with all of this, forgetting what had happened, forgetting bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, actually the day after the, the assault, my dad took me to the police station and we, um, we uh, well, my dad said, I wanna, want you to make a report. And we got there at 4.45 p.m. And because they were closing in 15 minutes, they said, you can come back tomorrow but we're closing the station at five and the, the statement's gonna take a while, so you should mm. come back tomorrow. And my dad looked at me and he said, she's not gonna come back tomorrow. Like, there is just no way. Look mm. at her, like I was just, you know, really, I had a lot of bruising on me and Whoa. so, um, yeah, I didn't come back the next day. I didn't, and then I went back to him for another six months. Mm. So at that point in time, had I given that statement, maybe there would have been no point of return, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't make that statement and I went back for six months. Yeah. And then on top of that, after I finally decided that this was enough, I can't stay with this man because it's just not healthy. Mm. Um, I think it took me another six months on top of that to even contemplate that I was being abused and manipulated. Mm. Mm. And there was a sexual assault that happened in the relationship that I denied for a long time. And... Um, that again, I rang my mum and I said, I told her, I think he's, I think he's abused me. And she said, I, I, I know you're right. Like she just knew in her body that yeah. there's something more that had been going on because I'd just been yeah. all over the place. So mm. um, I said, should I report this? <laughs> she goes, absolutely. Mm. And that's one thing the police did say to me was that you have up to two years to report this. Mm. And in my head, I'm questioning that. Like, why should there be a two-year gap? Because they know women go back. They yeah. know women need time. Yeah. You know, and why? And there's such an when there's such an emotional pull. Um, and that whole yeah, the cycle that it takes. You know, the journey that it takes people on. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm sort of because I'm talking to you and you're a female. I just keep. You know, but it, it happens to everyone, like it can happen yeah. to anyone. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that cycle of yeah. manipulation, yeah. that emotional manipulation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my parents, I had a great, I have a great relationship with my parents. Mm. You know, it was, there was something within that dynamic with him that just kept me going back and back. Yeah. You know, there was maybe some wounding that I'd later learned that I needed to heal for sure. But, um, just it kept me in my in my body um or kept me stuck in my body really that ptsd was not not able to be resolved and i was getting a lot of counseling and stuff mm -hmm. like that so um yeah i definitely think it got stuck for a lot longer than yeah. it should have yeah yeah and this is i guess where we talk into the other the other side of it um how was the event that happened the catalyst for greater personal growth what did it teach you because you you mentioned that you know your topic you really wanted to talk into how it was the gateway to deeper self-awareness yeah so if you can just share a bit about that yeah i always um talked about this particular event how it was very traumatic because i went through the court system for four years so oh. on top of the ptsd that i already had mm. i had to face him in court multiple times throughout four years. So yeah. Keep yeah. Me, keeping me in that PTSD loop was very hard to disassociate from him. It was to disconnect from him. I, he was in my life for four years post leaving him. So um, it threw me into 
myself, mm. you know, and I lost myself for a long time and I totally disconnected with self-medicating with a lot of alcohol and a lot of partying and stuff like that. But at the same time, I came out of it the other end. I knew that there was a greater purpose here and I didn't want to give up. So I did a lot of work um, and I met a um, beautiful lady called Karen and we did a lot of NLP, we did a lot of, um, you know, mind work and I had a lot of counselling. Mm. Um, but that's where I found structural integration. I found body work yeah. was what I needed. I needed to be touched in a way that wasn't, you know, threatening to my yes, body. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's where, I guess, you know, with the work that you do now, mm. um, if you can just share with the listeners, like, what is the importance of releasing trauma through the body and how is it different to doing the mind stuff? Yeah. 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 So for me, I was drawn to structural integration. I was I did my massage therapy because I could give a good shoulder rub. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Mum said. She said, "Well, why not?" And and nursing was okay, but the PTSD was shocking in that environment. It was yeah. too much for my system. Absolutely. I was doing casual nursing and I was cancelling, you know, a lot of shifts because I just couldn't cope. So I was like, "Well, what am I going to do for my career?" And I tried massage and I went and did a weekend course and I loved it. I thought it was great. And then from there, I found anatomy trains, which is fascial work which is all about the myofascial system mm -hmm. which is um you know the skin underneath our skin it's the stuff that holds us together it's all of the the, the filmy bit you get on the chicken that's the fascia right yeah. so um that's what i work with now and having fascial work done to my body there was a lot of stuff that came out of that so um I felt release in areas I'd never had before. Mm. So when I used to get a massage, a remedial massage, I would, I would be worse. I would shake for days. Mm. I would go into some trauma response, which I know now is trauma, trying to leave the body, but I was getting stuck in that trauma cycle. Yeah. So I just knew there was something, there had to be something else. I had a lot of pain. I had shoulder pain. I had hip pain. I had severe back pain. Um, I couldn't exercise properly. I was doing a lot of powerlifting and a lot of weightlifting, um, to cover up and mask and to strengthen myself up because I mm. felt, you know, I needed to. But um, structural integration was the only way that I found. So what is actual structural integration? Like? So structural integration is all about balancing your fascial system. Yes. Um, and it's pretty much from the ground up or, you know, we're, we're looking at the system as a whole. So you may come in with some shoulder aches and pains but if you're not breathing through your rib cage or your neck's tight there's going to be restrictions right. in those areas that we need to address before the shoulder can get better right so the pain's usually not the problem um so it's balancing the fascial lines and they're all over your body and there's there's forced transmission so we actually look a lot of at your gait and your walking and your movement mm -hmm. and we get you on and off the table and it's it's an interactive touch so um, we're touching the tissue and you're moving and breathing at the time. It's very, you know, we're working together. I'm not doing to you. We're doing together. Right. So it's, it's a release of particular, um, yeah. you know, tissues. And yeah. if we look at trauma and where it's stored in the body, mm. it's stored in the fascia. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So trillions of cells are in within the fascial system. Um, but if you look at it, at trauma, and where it's it's held, it is in the fascial tissues. Right. So, well, that's very insightful. Yeah. And uh, you know, you've done fifteen minutes or so on my back, and I know <laughs> that I'm coming yeah. back and getting some yeah. more done. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and, and hopefully for the listeners listening, like that's um, some really helpful information. Yeah. Um, and because, yeah, I, I know for myself, um, you know, I've done a lot on like this sort of um, you know, mind, body, soul, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like I've done a lot with the mind. I've done a lot with connecting and with, you know, with different, like with my soul and, but the body like the actual physical body um, is something that I'm really starting to tap into now. Yeah. And I've had the biggest releases from that process. Yeah. There's only so much. I think altogether, like using everything together is really the ideal. Yeah. If you can get all of it, like, you know, if you can do a bit of the NLP work or the mental side of things and mentoring and as well as working with the body and doing, you know, your meditation. I think that all of that is great, Mm. but yeah, I don't feel well in my world anyway. I feel like the mental side of it has always been worked on. Yeah. But not so much the body. Um, so after having like, Obviously, you had that done for yourself, and is that when the whole release started to happen from the trauma? Uh, to be honest, it was the body. The body was very. I was very resistant to the body work, yes. but I knew it was something that I needed. So yeah. every session, I would fall apart. I get quite a lot of pain. I mm-hmm. would have panic attacks. Um, I would, you know, get worse. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I just knew I needed to keep going because the release that I would feel a week after yeah. was. Like I felt like a different person, but it's all this processing that needed to happen. So between, so the body work came first and then I, you know, started working with Karen with NLP and doing the mind stuff. I would feel the shifts within my body and then I would need more body work yeah. because the NLP got to a point where I reached an edge and I couldn't do anything more with my, my mind and my brain. So the subconscious was, you yeah. know. Just for, to sort of clarify for some people, NLP is neuralistic um, programming. Yeah which is what I'm, I'm a practitioner in that and timeline therapy. And it's basically a tool that's used to um, work with the subconscious mind and to helping people change belief systems that don't serve them anymore and things like that. And it's all linked to the body. The yeah. subconscious mind is the body. Yeah. So yeah. when you work with the mind, the body responds as well. So, yeah. um, so what's life like now? Uh, pretty bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> Would you yeah. call yourself, I don't know if you can fully ever recover, do you believe that you can or do you feel like there will always be some tree you just get better at managing it? Uh, I think there's always, for me, I, I felt uh, maybe even 12 months ago that I was healed and yeah. I used to use that word, but even now thinking about that, there is always going to be some form of mild trigger for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and possibly seeing my ex-partner might bring that up at different stages because mm-hmm. he still lives in the state. So it's um, there's a possibility of seeing him. And some da- sometimes it's it's great. You know, I feel absolutely nothing in my body, but there has been times where I've seen him and I've gone into a process. Yeah. So it depends. I don't think we can ever really fully heal. It's just having those yeah. tools around you and really making sure that you are open and don't beat yourself up about the fact that you haven't healed that. Yes. Because it's so important to remember that, like, for me particularly, that has thrown me into what I love now the most. So I am really actually quite grateful for the experience. Um, And I'm actually 
I'm, I'm grateful it happened because if it didn't happen, then I wouldn't be where I am at the right now. On, yeah. Some of our darkest times are what gets us to, you know, where we're meant to be in this, or what we're meant to be doing on this earth. So yeah. even though, you know, for some, if they're not there yet, that would be very confronting to hear. Yeah. But yeah. it is, it's really true. Yeah. Um, so to, uh, to finish off. I'm going to ask you, if you had a microphone for the millions out there that are suffering from PTSD, what advice would you give them? <laughs> you can have a sec to think about it, it's okay. It's a good question. Um, I think for me it's like asking yourself the question, um, in what areas of yourself and your own your own self is this trying to throw you into you know what areas of your body what areas of your mind are you disconnected from that this experience is trying to shine light on so in in the moment of ptsd and for those that are suffering in those acute and and quite early stages of ptsd um the conversation might be a little bit different um, but there is always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel because if yeah if we if you're not getting body work and not being and, and finding a therapist who you're comfortable with then the body is not able to get rid of that energy that's stored within that yeah. so you won't be able to identify at what point that you know you're you're trying to that that area that you're not um the shadow i guess if we talk about the shadow aspects uh, i don't know if you've you know spoken about that before in your podcast no, you, you've but, been talking to that briefly, but in yeah. terms of like the shadow aspects that we have of ourselves the dark places that we don't want to look at you know our dark side you know that for me that was that experience and that's what ptsd threw me into was was yeah. identifying and shining light on those dark areas so um, but I first needed the body work to understand that. Yeah. So finding a practitioner who makes you feel safe first and foremost, so that you can release as you see fit at the time that you want to release. Yes. And then as we, you know, breath work is a great one as well, you know, yeah. using that and, and connection with true people who see you and accept you and, yes. and have you. So mm. it's a roundabout way but <laughs> I like that no no no, it's perfect and you know for anyone out there I guess you know everything that Sophie has talked about today it's um it's very real in some people's world and um some people don't have safe environments let alone not feel safe in their body so, um but there is help and there is support out there and there are people that see you in the world even though at times you might feel that they don't. Um, and I would just say that whoever's listening is that you're worthy to be seen mm. and you matter and, you know, speak to someone because it's going to give you freedom. Yeah. Speak to someone that's safe to speak to. Like Beyond Blue is one example. There's a lot of different hotlines, but for me, Beyond Blue has been incredible. Um, it was very daunting using that for the first time. I used that with my eating disorder when I, you know, had a lot of shame around that and mm-hmm. finally had to admit that I 
did have a de- eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but the woman on the other end of the phone, it was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would highly encourage anyone going through that to contact someone and to, if you're already on the journey, um, yeah, get into structural. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> structural integration. Yeah, and um, sometimes it might not be, you know, words. You know, a lot of PTSD sufferers, they actually start out with counselling and they start out with a psychologist yeah. or a psychiatrist, mm. or which can be helpful with words, but most of the time it's just the body that needs That's to right. be released. The energy is stuck in the body. Yeah. So if you're not releasing from the body, yeah. then you're pretty much you, there's no chance for healing then yeah in my eyes that's my my opinion yeah. anyway that was my experience well, it, it keeps so. you sort of it's like a stuck thing as in like you just every time you get triggered like we spoke about before your body goes back to that time that it happened as if it's still happening mm-hmm. but i guess the more that you release the less it sort of like it becomes mild like you said you, you still may have you know less and less feelings of that yeah. or get triggered less but you know, it becomes a lot less, yeah, yeah, and easier to manage. Yeah. Um. So, thank you, Sophia, for thank being you. on this episode. <laughs> I know whoever's going to listen to this is going to get a lot out of it. So, very grateful for you to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. And thanks for tuning in, guys. That was an amazing conversation. I learned so much from Sophia. She's such a beautiful woman. Um, And I just want to mention as well that if you are needing any extra support on your healing journey, I'm also here and you can get me at RFT Mentoring um, where we work with the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and creating new belief systems and structures that can help support you in living the life that you really desire and living a life more of authenticity rather than just surviving. I've been on the journey myself. Um, I've been on my healing journey for 10 years now and I understand that it's a never ending journey. Um, But I have a lot of care, wisdom and understanding um, about that journey and that's why I do what I do. So yeah, you can reach reach me at RFT Mentoring uh, on Instagram or Facebook.